0: Section 35. Of the Jolly Parisiennes and Other Novelettes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Beth Thomas. Big Michoud by Emile Zola. Translated by George D. Cox. One afternoon, at four o'clock recess, Big Michu took me aside, into a corner of the courtyard, he had a grave air which filled me with a certain fear for big Michu was a fellow with enormous fists whom i would not have had for my enemy for anything in the world listen said he to me in his thick voice of a but partially polished peasant listen will you go into it i answered unhesitatingly yes flattered by the proposition to go into something with big Michu. then he explained to me that a conspiracy was on foot the confidential revelations he made to me gave me a delicious sensation the like of which i have perhaps never experienced since at last i had entered into the wild adventures of life i would have a secret to keep a battle to fight and in sooth the unavowed fright i felt at the idea of compromising myself in this way constituted a full half of the biting joys of my new role of accomplice likewise while big Michu was talking i stood before him lost in admiration he initiated me in a somewhat rough tone as if i were a conscript in whose energy he had but a mediocre confidence however the quiver of pleasure the air of enthusiastic ecstasy i displayed while listening to him ultimately gave him a better opinion of me at the second stroke of the bell as we took our places in the ranks to return to the schoolroom he said to me in a low tone it is understood, is it not? You are one of us. You will not be afraid, at least you will not betray us. Oh no, you shall see, I have sworn it. He looked me full in the face with his grey eyes, with the dignity of a mature man, and added, if you betray us, of course I shall not thrash you, but I will tell everybody you are a traitor, and then nobody will speak to you again. I still remember the strange effect this threat produced on me. It gave me colossal courage. Bast, said I to myself, I don't care if they give me two thousand verses. The deuce take me if ever I betray M. I I awaited the dinner hour with feverish impatience. The revolt was to burst forth in the refectory. Big Michoud was from Var. His father, a peasant who possessed a few patches of land, had taken part in the insurrection provoked by the coup d'etat in 51. Left for dead upon the plain of Ushan, he had succeeded in hiding himself. When he reappeared, nobody disturbed him, but the authorities of the district, the notables, the people with large and small incomes, called him that brigand of a Michoud. This brigand, this honest, illiterate man, sent his son to the College de doubtless he wished him to be learned for the triumph of the cause which he himself had been able to defend only with weapons in his hands we had a vague acquaintance with this history at the college which made us regard our comrade as a very formidable personage big michu was besides much older than we were he was nearly eighteen although he was still only in the fourth class but no one dared to twit him with his backwardness he was one of those slow students who learn with difficulty who guess nothing yet when he once knew a thing he knew it thoroughly and never forgot it as strong as if hewn out with an axe he reigned like a sovereign during recess with this he was extremely gentle i never saw him angry but once when he wished to strangle a tutor because he taught us that all republicans were robbers and assassins this came near to causing his expulsion it was only later when i again saw my former comrade in my recollections that i was able to comprehend his gentle and firm attitude his father had early made a man of him big mishu liked being at the college a fact which somewhat astonished us he experienced there but one torment of which he was afraid to speak hunger big mishu was always hungry i never saw anybody with such an appetite so far as i can remember excessively proud as he was he sometimes stooped to the most humiliating farces in order to trick us out of a morsel of bread a breakfast or a lunch raised in the open air at the foot of the chain of the mauvaise he suffered still more cruelly than we from the poor fare of the college this poor fare was one of our principal topics of conversation in the courtyard along the wall which shaded us with its strip of shadow we were dainty I remember especially a certain preparation of codfish with red sauce and certain beans with white sauce, which had become the objects of general malediction. The days when these dishes appeared, we were loud in our complaints. Big Michu, from Human Decency, cried out with us, though he would have been delighted to gulp down the six portions of his table. Big Michu complained only of the small quantity of the food chance as if to exasperate him had placed him at the end of the table beside a tutor a thin young man who allowed us to fume at our pleasure the rule was that the tutors had each a right to two portions hence when sausages were served it was a sight to see big michu gaze at the two pieces stretched out side by side upon the slim tutor's plate i am twice his size said big michu to me one day and yet he has twice as much to eat as i have he leaves not a morsel either he never has too much. Now the leaders had resolved that we should at least revolt against the codfish with red sauce and the beans with white sauce. Naturally, the conspirators invited Big Mishu to be their chief. The plan of these rebels was of a heroic simplicity. It would suffice, they thought, to martyrize their appetites, to refuse all food, until the head of the college solemnly declared that the Bill of fare should be ameliorated." the approbation which big Michu gave to this plan was one of the most sublime examples of abnegation and courage i know of he accepted the leadership of the movement with the calm heroism of those ancient romans who sacrificed themselves for the public good think of it being his duty to make the codfish and beans disappear when he desired only to have more of them to have as much as he could eat and to cap the climax he was required to fast he confessed to me afterwards that never was that republican virtue taught him by his father solidarity the devotion of the individual to the interests of the community put to so severe a proof in him that evening in the refectory it was the day of the codfish with red sauce the martyrization began with a unanimity truly beautiful to behold bread alone was permitted the hated dish arrived we did not touch it but ate our bread dry and this gravely, without talking in low tones, as was our custom. Only the younger students laughed. Big Michu was superb. He went so far that first evening as to abstain even from bread. He put both his elbows on the table and looked disdainfully at the thin tutor, who was eating away with a will. Meanwhile, the superintendent had sent for the head of the college, who burst into the refectory like a tempest he took us roughly to task asking us what fault we could possibly find with the dinner which he tasted and declared exquisite then big michaud arose monsieur said he the codfish is spoiled we cannot put up with it "Ah," cried the thin tutor without giving the head of the college time to reply on other evenings you have nevertheless managed to devour nearly the entire dish yourself big michaud coloured to the roots of his hair that evening they simply sent us to bed telling us that by the morrow reflection would put us in a more reasonable frame of mind the next day and the next big Michu was terrible the words of the thin tutor had stricken him to the heart he kept up our courage he told us we would be cowards if we yielded now he had put all his pride in showing that when so disposed he could do without eating he was a real martyr all the rest of us had hidden away in our desks chocolate pots of preserves and even liver puddings which enabled us not to eat altogether dry bread with which we had filled our pockets but he who had not a single relative in the town and who besides refused himself such luxuries kept strictly to the few crusts he was able to find on the third day, the head of the college, having declared that since the pupils obstinately persisted in not touching the dishes provided, he was about to stop the distribution of bread, the revolt assumed formidable proportions at breakfast. It was the day of beans with white sauce. Big Michu, whose brain must have been disturbed by atrocious hunger, suddenly arose. He seized the plate of the thin tutor, who was eating with all his might to defy us and fill us with envy, and hurled it into the middle of the hall then he began to sing the marseillaise in a loud voice this was like a great gust of wind in its effect it set all of us in motion the plates glasses and bottles danced a pretty dance the tutors striding over the wrecks hastened to abandon the refectory to us the thin tutor in his flight received a dish of beans upon the shoulders the sauce of which spread out on him like a broad white collar then it was proposed that we should fortify the room big michaud was appointed general he caused the tables to be brought and heaped up against the doors i remember that we all had taken our knives in our hands the marseillaise was yet being thundered forth the revolt had become a revolution happily they left us to ourselves for three whole hours the fact was that they had sent for the guard those three hours of noise sufficed to calm us at the lower end of the refectory were two large windows which opened upon the courtyard The most timid, frightened by the long immunity accorded us, softly opened one of these windows and vanished. They were gradually followed by other pupils. Soon Big Mishu had only ten insurgents left around him. He said to them in a bitter tone, "'Go, join the rest. One culprit will be enough.' Seeing that I hesitated, he turned towards me and added, "'Don't you understand? I release you from your oath.'" When the guard broke open one of the doors, Big Mishu was found all alone, tranquilly seated on the end of the table amid the broken plates. That very night he was sent home to his father. As for us, we gained but little from the revolt. They did indeed avoid serving us with codfish and beans for several weeks. Then they reappeared. Only the codfish had white sauce and the beans red sauce. A long while afterwards I again met Big Mishu. He had been unable to continue his studies. He was cultivating in his turn a few patches of land left him by his father, then deceased. I would have made, he said to me, a wretched lawyer, or a wretched physician, as it was very difficult to get anything into my head. It is better for me to be a peasant. That's my affair, though. But no matter. That was a scurvy trick the pupils played on me at college. And just think how I adored the codfish and beans, too. End of section thirty-five.